Churches this time of the year, especially today, for a message that reflects on the events leading up into the resurrection, which we want to do in the house of the Lord this morning. But we we don't want to just look at these events and the things we're getting ready to read out of God's Word as just as just a story, as just something that we do for routine, for sake of the calendar, Jesus, but that we. We read and we take the things that Jesus had said in His life and how that He walked this road that he, we're about to find that He was on here in Mark 14 leading up to the cross of how Jesus reacted, how, how Jesus was the example to us as the church today of walking through an extreme time of suffering and pain, a time that none of us will ever experience to the extent that our Lord and Savior experienced pain. None of us has been afflicted with the suffering that Jesus Christ was afflicted with, even in our darkest hour of the events that took place in this man's life, as he was fully God, but he was also fully man, as uh, there has never been another man or woman since experience quite a, a catastrophic event as what Jesus had suffered, starting in Mark chapter 14. As I believe his suffering started here, it didn't just happen the very moment that he was being assaulted and physically abused, but starting in Mark chapter 14, right after that Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper and He instructs this body of believers, this, His disciples, of things and events that was about to come and that He was about to experience. They couldn't, they couldn't quite wrap their mind around that. who could. Who, who would in that place be able to fathom the depths of what the Lord was speaking to them this night? Who, who would have been able to put into their mind thoughts of, Suffering leading up to the cross, of him being nailed, of his body being broken for our sin, of, of his blood being poured out, of, of the events that took place leading up to the resurrection. And as Jesus is, is explaining these things, and he's, Jesus had a way of speaking to man that me and you don't have today because He is the Son of God, even though we have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, His explanation in how that he, he portrayed events was pure in its purest form. There was no motive. There was no, no any type of, of any thought in, in His mind but truth. And we, at our best time, at our, at, at our best moment in ministry, there is still things with inside of our mind and heart uh, that that we face because of our fallen flesh. But Jesus overcome the flesh. Jesus was purity in its purest form. And as Jesus is speaking to this group of men, and He's, he's given them an example through the Lord's Supper, and, and he is, He's being the one that is serving, serving them. And I always thought that was a reversal, that they, they should have been serving Him, but He was... He lowered Himself as a servant to the world, and he's, he's explaining to these men, He's coming and He's meeting their need. He's actually handing them the bread. He's actually handing them 
the cup. So he's not only he's not only the one speaking the ministry. He's not only the one getting ready to face the events that was about to come, but he was also the one that was meeting the needs of the very people in that moment that he was getting ready to meet the spiritual need for on the cross. And as I look at that, I, th- I think that is so so profound because do I have the ability to be able to serve others as Jesus has served? And as we go in to verse 27, my Bible has headings on these chapters. Yours probably does too, but starting verse 27 of Mark 14, it says, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. This is right after they had just sung hymns as we had just sang in the sanctuary, in the upper room. They just had an experience as we just had an experience. Very similar, different place and time, different scenery. And he says right after this, they go out to the Mount of Olives. And in verse 27, starting with the New King James, he says that then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more venomously, If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. Verse 32, he says, Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further, and he fell to the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said, Simon, Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus. I want to jump a little ahead in the story this morning because for for sake of time and I don't have the time to be able to this morning to go through the whole events leading up into the cross. But not long after this is when he is betrayed. He just goes through this moment of agony. Why? Because our Lord and our Lord and Savior carried a heavy chain from the time that he first started his public ministry, Jesus knew in his mind the events that was going to take place. He knew his whole life 
the suffering that he was going to have to have to go through leading up into the cross. He also knew who his father was and that all things were possible for him and he knew that through this cup, through him drinking of this life and, and, and taking this suffering and being who that God had called him to be for the world, that there was going to be many that come to a place of life that otherwise would never have the opportunity to live if he hadn't made the decision to be the servant that God had called him to be. After he's betrayed in the garden by Judas, he then finds himself in the high court about 3 o'clock in the morning, and there's a big fire. And Peter, the very one that says that he'll walk through anything, he'll even go, go to death with him. He's standing there by the fire, and people's pointing him out, and Jesus has been taken, he's been arrested, and they brought him in for, uh, to give an account of things that he had said and of him being this, the Son of God and that he was the Savior and that the prophecies in the Old Testament had been about him, but they couldn't see it because their eyes had been blinded by the enemy, by religion, by the world. And Jesus is standing there being ridiculed, his clothes being ripped off, they're pulling his beard, they slap a crown of thorns on his head and drive it into his skull. He's sitting there bleeding, here's... Here's Peter, and people recognize him, say, aren't you one of the ones that had followed him? And he denies him, and you know the Scripture. The third time that he denied him, he's even more purposed in his denial, and he's now angry that they're even asking him. He's trying to put this image off to them, basically that he was just like them. He's just sitting there as a spectator now, and then the cock crows. And Peter instantaneously in his mind remembered what the Lord had said. From that moment on, something changed in Peter's life and his ministry really started and began to catapult. Later on in the Scriptures, you read through the book of Acts. After that, Jesus goes and he's, he's being brought before Pilate. Now, Pilate was a Roman governor. Uh, <clears throat> Pilate fulfilled the Scripture from Luke 18.32 where Jesus predicted that he was going to be handed over to the Gentiles. And he says, I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles. He says, I'm going to be scourged. I'm going to be beaten. And he predicts this horrible death, which he is about to take. And Jesus stands before Pilate, and, and Pilate's asking the people, he's got Barnabas, he's, he's got this, this robber, this, this thief, this murderer that's standing on one side and he's asking the people which one do they want to be released and charges to be dropped. And they're screaming for Barnabas to be released and that they was going to keep Jesus. And then Pilate is in his mind, as you read through the Scripture, he's going through a tormenting state of mind. He knows that this is an innocent man. He knows he has the power to release him. <clears throat> but there's something that was happening with Pilate that if you read through history books and you, you kind of go a little bit deeper into what was going on in this moment, Pilate had until that very moment when Jesus was standing before him had two very negative marks on his life as a governor. The first mark was 
was that he had taken temple money to help solve a water issue that they had in Jerusalem at the time. And in order to solve that, the great expense that it was going to take, he secretly went and he took artifacts of the temple in order to pay for it. The second was that when he had first come to Jerusalem, he had set up these big, like you would see big banners of Caesar. And he had demanded that the children of God bow to the image of Caesar. And when they would not bow to the image of Caesar, because they only bow to the one true God, he took Roman soldiers and he dressed them up to look like regular civilian people, and they had daggers in their, in their cloak, and he, he strategically infiltrated them into the crowd. So when they were brought in to give an account of why they would not bow, his plan was, was when the uprising come, and, and they they were about to attack that he would have these people in place to come upon them and to overtake the children of the Lord. That was strike number, number two. And as the people had found out about these things, see a letter was getting ready to be wrote to Rome. It had probably been already wrote at that time that he wasn't able to control these people and he wasn't fit to be a governor in the Roman guard and that the people were in disorder. And if a letter like that had got to Rome, his authority would be taken away and his position would have been forfeited. So he's standing here with a great dilemma. He's got two marks for sure. The people's up against him. He knows what's getting ready to happen. If I don't give these people what they want, my position could be taken from me. The lifestyle that I now know could possibly be forfeited. The things that I have, the influence that I have, all of these things, if I let Jesus go, the letter could be sent. He makes a decision then to give the people what they wanted because he wasn't willing to let go of what he had. And as they take him in and they, and they whip Jesus and they have this cat of nine tails and it's got pieces of glass and metal, it's got nine leads that come off from the end of it and as each strike that they hit, these pieces would hook into his body. And what you have to understand is, is that we think that Jesus was whipped 40 times. But you see, that was a Jewish law, according to Deuteronomy 25.3. Jewish law stated that you could not whip a man more than 40 times lest you defame him and unless you make him out to be less than a human being because of the great infliction of scourging upon the body. But Jesus was not given to the Jews. Jesus was handed over to Pilate, which was a Gentile. And according to Roman law, they had no, they, they had no hold back. Forty stripes meant nothing to them. And according to the Scripture, it says He was whipped to the point where flesh was not left on His body, that He had no resemblance of a man. The very reason why, the very reason why, Deuteronomy 25.3 was put into place for the Jews. So a man could not be whipped to that point of not being recognizable. Jesus was unrecognizable as a man. Whipped to the point to where 
There was not flesh left to, to hang on His back. Jesus. They say, some historians believe that He could have been whipped up to 80 times. There's no way to be able to, to take to know the number. But it's a great possibility is what many more than the 40 that we read about according to Jewish law. And here's this man predicted his own future. He knows that there was going to come a day when he stood before a man and that the man was going to choose himself over him. He knew that he was going to be whipped to the point that you could not whip, whip flesh anymore off his body. He knew the pain that was about to take place. Yet Jesus carried that chain his entire life and ministry, loving people around him. And as I, this holiday season, as, as we go and we celebrate the resurrection next Sunday morning, leading up to the events that took place this very week that we're about to experience 2,000 years ago, I ask myself, Am I able to produce that kind of love to the world? Because you see, what's more of Jeremiah Jeffers is, is I find myself more times than not needing to explain the chain that I carry for somebody else. I need somebody to know just what it took for me to get where I am. I need somebody to understand and respect the process that I have been in my entire life. And sometimes in ministry, I find myself coming in and we will find ourselves in ministry serving people that's more free than yourself. Serving people that have more resource than yourself. Serving people that should be by all rights serving you. Amen? We find ourselves washing the feet of those many times in ministry that have an ability to be able to take your chain. But being called as a minister of the Lord, as Jesus found Himself 33 years, three years, most certainly that's been recorded in Scripture, Jesus carried the weight of those around him that had no comprehension of what it took for him to get there. Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he didn't look down at the people and say, yeah, you got it. I'm doing what you couldn't do. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I'm up here hanging for you because you're too weak to do it for yourself. He didn't, he didn't come up with people that were, that were needing healing in His public ministry and, and as they were coming up with these great needs, He knew what He was getting ready to do for them. Even the ones that ridiculed Him, the ones that spat in His face, the one that called Him a blasphemer, the very ones that, that had no idea in their mind what He was going through emotionally, Jesus was fully man. He had emotion. He had these thoughts in his mind. Could you imagine what it would feel like to know that three years from now, 
This day, two years from now, six months from now, as he's walking in public ministry, he's ministering loving people. They don't want to love him back. They're, they're beating on him. They're hurling insults. They're trying to tear him down. And here he's carrying this weight that they had no comprehension to be able to see. They had no idea what was about to happen in his life and what it was about to produce for others for generations to come. Jesus didn't find the need to try to explain the pain. He didn't, he didn't have any other motive in His heart than to love people. Jesus, have you ever in your life been able to relate to part of what I'm saying in my life in ministry? Have you ever come into the church and had thoughts about brothers and sisters at certain church activities, groups, and because of the length of time that you've walked with the Lord and you've come into a place serving as a deacon, serving on pastoral committees, serving as, as youth directors, serving as different things, and we got, this, we got this mindset sometimes, you don't know what it took for me to get this understanding, son. You don't, you don't know what I've been through in the church, boy. You don't, you ain't got a clue what it's taken for me to be able to have the thoughts in the place where I am right now. Jesus, has anyone been able to relate to that? And sometimes, you know, when, when you come in to worship, our ideas are a little different. Maybe our, our thoughts might be a, a, little, a little different on certain interpretations, different, different things, and, and that pride wants to, to rise up. And, and we just want everybody to know, right? We just need somebody to know. You don't realize what this person done to me. Clear back here. You don't realize the experience that I had with this, the experience I had with that. Yes, but we do know one that does. And in that process, are we capable of carrying the chain of the bondage that we may find ourselves in or have carried for so long? Some of us still carry bondages. You know what? My whole ministry has not been from a place of freedom. Say, what? Oh. My whole ministry with the Lord has been with a heavy chain. A heavy financial chain from the past. I'm talking big money. A felony chain that you can't escape unless you had the big money to remove the felony chain and the convictions and the identity that you have to put on paper. Not being able, not being able to, to participate in certain things because you don't have the financial ability in order to be able to remove the past. You got children from broken marriages. You got, you got things that's, that's weighing on you. You come through a drug addiction. You fight emotional things that maybe other people don't face. I understand. I get it. I absolutely get it. I, I, I also get that from the very time 
of start of ministry, having these things, knowing what it's like to come and serve others, that's in a way better place than you are. I know what it's like to be called upon to love and to be the example and to be the need meter to somebody that should be meeting your need. I understand those things. I get it. You know, we all carry a chain. My chain may be a uni more unique than some others, but we all carry something. It may be a physical chain. There may be something that you have, physical ailment, or something in your body that you can't escape, that other people can't understand, but yet, in your public ministry, you've been called to minister to those that have all full functionality of every moving part of their body. And you find yourself counseling with people that's never experienced that kind of chain, that kind of weight, that seem to have everything together. And you may have to counsel with somebody that's got more finances than John Gotti. You may have to counsel with somebody that's got more family and more family ties and more relationships in the community than you could ever shake a stick at while you have none. You may have to counsel with somebody in that moment that seemed to have everything together, but they're just falling apart. Uh, and they call upon you, someone with a weakness, somebody with, with, a, with a weight, somebody, somebody that's just dragging, that's dragging the best that they can, but that wants to glorify the Lord, and you find yourself being called upon time and time again to meet a need, to meet a need in somebody, for somebody. People going through court things. People going through addiction crisis. People going through separations with their children. People going through divorce. People going through things that hurt, that's painful. You may find yourself in that process as you come and you take this step of communion and fellowship with the Lord, being placed in the very environment that you're seeking to come out of, and you find yourself being the one trying to minister and trying to help somebody that may even possibly have the same weights that you have. But they look at you as you're in a place of complete freedom when you may be worse off than they are in many ways. In many ways economically, in many ways emotionally. And, and you're called upon at a moment in time, an hour comes upon your life to where Jesus, to where the Lord leads you into a place to speak life, into a place of death. Jesus. But you may feel the death all around you. Jesus knows how that felt. And He says, He prays to the Father as He's carrying this great weight this night. And He takes the ones closest to Him. And He says, will you just... Watch and pray with me. They don't understand it. They ask Him, He asked them to do one thing. Can you just pray and be alert in the Spirit right now? Can you, can you just do this with me? And He takes a couple of steps and He falls on the ground. They don't understand the emotional distress. They can't, they can't see it. Jesus knows. He, he understands. They can't see it. They fall asleep. He comes back. The very one that had so much zeal, said, you know what, Lord? I'm never going to turn my back on you. How many have said that in the house of the Lord? 
after communion service. How many has served the Lord, has served deacon ministry, has served children's ministry, at one time in your life said, "You God, I'm going to serve you in the house of the Lord. I am not, that for everything that you've done for me, I'm going to serve you. And the hour has now come. And Jesus asked one thing, He says, just stay awake with me. Just, just be alert in the Spirit. Know the atmosphere that you're in right now. Be alert in the spiritual. Battle in the Spirit with me. Be purposed in your decision. Love others. Protect yourself from the enemy coming in to try to push you and, and cause a divide and a separation between you and others and myself. Just stay alert. Just stay awake, church. And he comes back not a few minutes later and there's already sleeping. And I ask you this morning, he says, he speaks a simple word. Jesus did not look down at them and say, you simpletons, you, you have no idea. Peter, what in the world? Do you understand what's about to start happening to me in just an hour from now, what I'm about to experience? What is wrong with you? Do you know what I have carried for you this whole time in ministry? Do you have any idea what I'm doing for you right now? What I'm about to do for you? You can't do this one thing for me? He says, no. He says, watch and pray, Peter. You're about to see some things go down. I don't need you to understand what all is about to happen. I just need you to know that when you start seeing it, you remember this. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Church, do you know that according to your Bible, if you flip over to John in chapter 17, verse 20 through 23, I'll read this to you now. You don't have to flip to it. You can write it down as a reference. But he says, Jesus says, I, I'm not going to pray for these alone, these disciples, these people around Him for ministry, but He says, I'm also going to pray for those who will ever believe in Me. That's me and you, church. He tells Peter to watch and pray, but He Himself is in prayer for you and me. This very instant. You have Jesus sitting on the right hand of the Father in heaven. Praying for you. Praying for your need right now. Jesus. He says, I'm going to do this for the church that they may all be one as you are, Father, in me. This is the Holy Communion. He says, I and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. In the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that we may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as much as you love me. I can't help church but look around at the world today and I ask myself this question. 
There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians that says when the believers have come together, they're prophesying, there's tongues, there's interpretation of tongues. He says, but pray that you would all prophesy because tongues is for the unbeliever, but prophecy is for the believer. And he says, when you come in and you're all prophesying together, that one that comes in that does not know the Lord, that the intents of their heart will be revealed. And they will believe that God is in you, around you, basically for you, and they will fall on their face in worship to the one true living God. That's the type of atmosphere that I want to be engaged in in these last days. I pray that our churches be so full of His Spirit and His presence that when somebody comes through that door because of the very witness and testimony of the Spirit, the enemy will be pushed back from their mind to open a portal for a split, just a moment for stillness to come to the Spirit and identity of who Jesus Christ is and desires to be in and through their life. He says, I pray for you, church, in John 17, that you will all be one as me and the Father is one and that the world will know that I love you, the Father loves you as much as what the Father has loved me. That's a life lived. That's a life lived on purpose. That's a life that even though we got weights and chains, we may have physical disabilities, we may have mental things, we may have emotional things, we may have things attached to us because the decisions of our past, chain after chain after chain. We can carry that chain, which is our cross. As the Lord says, pick up your cross. He picked up that cross and He carried it for you and me. He didn't need you to understand the cross. He didn't need you to understand everything He was carrying for you. As I don't need you to understand the things that I may carry for you. You don't need me to understand, Connie, the things that you carry for me. I don't need, we don't need, we don't need the accolades of man. We, we don't need people to come up and to stroke us and to tell us what a good boy and girl that we are and that we are just care. Boy, you've got such a testimony. Boy, you, the things that you have come out of, all of these things, those are, those are good things. You know what? My testimony ain't no different than nobody else. You know what's a better testimony? Somebody that never stuck a needle in their arm. Somebody that didn't throw marriage away. Children. People that have never went into the lifestyle and the things that I have done. That's a testimony to me. I stand here by God's grace alone as we all do. Not deserving of anything. I don't deserve stroke of man to come up and, and, and pat me on the back for coming out of addiction. I didn't come out of addiction. Jesus Christ gave me the grace to overcome the sin in my life. 
so I could stand in a place of freedom. At John 8, 31 and 32, would come the full fruition in my life. He says, you're truly my disciple. You will continue in my word. And then you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus. So many never get to experience true freedom in Christ. Because they will not submit to the process. We rebuke the process. We rebuke the pain. When the Scripture says nothing has come upon the world that has not been allowed to come through the hand of God. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. We live in a fallen world, church, that's never going to be perfect until Jesus Christ comes back and establishes His kingdom, which means that we live in pain. You say, oh, miracles, different things that we see in the Scripture, great healings and different things. I believe in the Holy Spirit and I believe in the power of God and I believe for all gifts still working operating in the church. And I believe in miracles. And you know one miracle that's overlooked so much is one miracle that stands before you this morning. Miracles that set beside you this morning that's living a life with cross after cross, bearing, walking a road that's very painful, that's hurtful, but still in their pain decide that they want to give Jesus glory because of the forgiveness in His love that He has poured out into their heart that gives them a unique ability to love others in the midst of their own pain and suffering. That is a miracle. You can't do that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why so many people are captivated in their pain. You can't be released from the pain until healing comes to the soul by the presence of Jesus Christ to catapult you above the pain in the circumstance of life, church. That's the testimony. In these last days, I ask you this morning, will you stay awake long enough? Jesus told him to sit. You sit, be still. Watch and pray. Are we watching and are we praying this morning in the house of the Lord? Are we alert to the times? Are we alert to the needs of others? Are we alert to the needs in the house of God? Are we, are we alert to the things around us of what we can possibly do for Him? Or are we only alert to our own affliction? Your own suffering will put you to sleep trying to escape it. People go into bouts of depression, that's sleep. Depression is sleep. Depression's escape. I just need to escape it for a while. I need to be consumed upon it so much because maybe if I think about it enough, it'll change. I need to just lay down on the couch. I just got to rest. I'm just so tired all the time. I just got to sleep. I just go sleep it away. Church, he says to wake up. Wake up and know that I have the power 
to do all things. I have the power to not only change your circumstance, to change where you are, I've got the power to change you in the middle of it. And when I change you in the middle of it, it's game day. Especially for the enemy. Because the enemy no longer has control. He says, but you're not free. You're still fighting addiction. You're still fighting court cases. You're still fighting financial burdens. You're still fighting these things. Don't, you can't praise the Lord in this. Don't you know He says you'll be free? You're not free. Don't praise the Lord. You ain't going over there and help them. For nothing that you need to be thinking about to where you are. Think about all the things that's going on in you right now. Think about this. You just keep thinking about it. Think about it till it changes. Just stay in that mind. Just constantly think about it. Just constantly just be in it. Lay down for a little bit. Go sleep. It'll be better when you wake up. Just sleep it off. Sleep it some more. He says, no. Wake up. He says, wake up. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. And you know what? According to my Bible, Philippians 4, he says that we, with all prayer, thanksgiving, supplication, we make our requests be made known unto God. He says the peace of God, which passes, all under, which passes all human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That means to take a military stand, church. He will guard you as a military guard a detachment, a regiment put around your soul and your mind so you can walk through anything in life. And as you're walking through the hell, you can drag others out of the flames with you. And you know what? You can follow me in my pain as I follow Christ. Let's go. That's why we need to be looking at the world. Huh, it's bad. It's hot right here, ain't it? I'm burning right here with you, baby. Let's go. Come on. We ain't staying here. I know it's bad. We ain't staying here. Let's keep moving forward one more day. The Lord is good. Let's do something for the Lord. Let's get ourselves off our own mind and let's start doing for something for somebody else. And let's see. That dying to self is the cross of life. Jesus, His Holy Spirit, will empower you to do things you could never do on your own. Jesus, I pray that we be purposed this morning, alert and awake in these last days. We can be the encouragement to one another that we are called to be. We can be the encouragement to our community. And we can carry our cross with purpose. I know it's heavy. He can take all of the weight with it still on our back so we can go the distance of time. The enemy has taken too much from my life in order to give him opportunity to take any more, to get me in a place of despair. You think it, boy, you just think about all that money. You just think about all those felonies. It's never going to come off of your right. You just, you just think about all these things you can't do. You just, just think about the wait, how much longer it's going to be. Are you paying these things and doing this and doing that? Can't see the light of day. You just keep thinking about it. No. He ain't taking another moment from me. Those things may be true. But in that process, I'm going to grab as many people as I can out of the very pit that I'm laying in myself because God has saved my soul, helped take a needle out of my arm, helped give me purpose in life, helped me to be able to live and actually have a life. And we're going somewhere. And I'm expecting the Lord to do great things in my life. And I'm declaring the promises of the Lord over me and my marriage and my home. 
at 1 Corinthians 2.9, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those that love Him. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you will hear my voice and open the door unto me, I will come in and share a meal with you as a friend. I'll feed you what the world can't. I'll feed you what everyone else around you can't or maybe won't. And then he says that Romans 8.28 will come to full fruition in your life, son, that you will know that all of these things are going to work together for the good for those who love God and who are the called according to His purpose. We're praying for all things, church, this holiday season. I'm praying to come out of graves that I have never come out of yet. I've come out of graves, but there's still death hanging on me. There's still flesh hanging on me that I've got to die to myself, that I can be catapulted to life. You know, that's what the grave is. You can't have life till you first have death. Are you willing to die this morning? Lay it down. It ain't worth carrying. It ain't worth thinking another moment over. It hinders our purposes in God. It'll hinder you from serving in the church. It'll hinder you from serving in, in other ministries. It'll hinder you from serving the one right beside of you. It'll hinder you from meeting needs. Keep you consumed your whole life. It's too short. Our life is but a vapor. He says, here today and going tomorrow. I want to go out loving Him and loving people. Jesus, thank You, Lord. Dear Most Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I, will, I want to thank You for a time of fellowship. Lord, thank You for such a beautiful sanctuary to come in, instruments to play, voice to be able to sing, clothes on our back, be able to worship You, Lord. Because you are good, Lord. Thank you for the communion table, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, for putting that in your word. Because you know who we are as flesh, as, as human, Lord. Our minds get all over the place. We're, we're, just, we're here, there, and everywhere, Lord. But you, you put one thing so simple. Just take the Lord's table. Just remember, come back. Stop your mind for a moment. Think upon yourself. Think upon you, Lord. And everything changes. We repent of our ways where we have turned against You. We repent of our bitterness, Lord. We repent of, of resentment. We, we repent of being focused more on the pain than the life giver, Lord. Lord, and as we repent and we turn to You, You said, Acts 3.19, that if we turn to You, to God, and we repent, that You will come upon us as times of refreshing, that we could breathe easily again. Because of Your presence in and around us, Lord. And we believe it this morning, Lord. Lord, we believe for freedom in the house of God today, Lord. And we believe for all things, Lord, to become new, Lord. We believe all things to work together that's happened in our life for this very moment, Lord. That 1 Peter 5, Lord, You said that if we submit ourselves to You, that in due time, Lord, in due season, we would be exalted. And that's all things coming to a head. There's so many things that's coming to a head in our life. Lord, so many things have happened in our lives. It's for a purpose. It's for a plan. Lord, it can be used to give You glory. Lord, let it break forth, Lord, from out of our emotion. May it not take the seat of emotions. May it not take the throne in our mind and our life. May it be dethroned to put You in its place, Lord. Lord, and I pray that as the headship of Jesus Christ descends upon the body this morning, Lord, that Your blood, Lord, would walk.
Our server top of our hearts, our mind, and our soul that the oil of joy and gladness be poured out from the throne of the Most High. Lord, to put a new song in our lips, Lord, as you run down that oil upon our face, it touches our lips, how we speak, it touches our mind, how we think, our ideas, it touches our hands to be catapulted into service for you. It touches our feet and establishes the ways of our goings. And we won't go into the places of bondage no more, but walk into the place of freedom, the narrow road that we're be set free by the presence of Jesus Christ, Lord, that we would continue in your word, that we would fast, that we would pray, that we would be alert, and that we'd be a watchful being, Lord, in these last days. Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, that you are God of all things. Lord, you're the God of the universe, creator of the universe, and you're head of all principalities, you're head of all religion, Lord. You're head of every demonic spirit, even though it thinks it's in control. Because when you're number one, Jesus, all things become fresh and all things become new. Oh Lord, we thank you for that promise. Oh Lord, help us as we go throughout this week, as we carry our cross, that we lift our head up high, that we'll serve others around us as we're carrying our cross. And we got somebody that's a beggar that's in need. It don't matter what type of house they live in, what kind of car they drive, what things they have going on, that we can stop for a moment to wash their feet and to touch them by the presence of Jesus Christ within us and give them of the substance that we have. It may not be much, but help us to be able to give them you, Lord. Jesus, that we thank you, Lord. For who you are. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you protect us, Lord. We pray for your shield and covering over every life. Lord, under the sound of my voice this morning, Lord, as we leave this sanctuary, may we be more purposed in who we are and what we're supposed to do. Lord, may we be about the Father's business. In Jesus' holy, precious name, we thank you. Amen.